Welcome to the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries Podcast, brought to you by Interactive Legal. Here's your host, Mary Vandenack. Welcome to today's episode of Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries, a weekly podcast discussing updated legal news as well as evolving methods of providing legal service. I'm Mary Vandenack, founder and CEO of Vandenack Weaver Trulson. I will be your host as we talk to experts from around the country about legal and tax issues, trusts and estates, business succession, business exit planning, legal technology, law firm leadership, and well-being. First of all, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Carson Private Client, and Foster Group. Here's a message from Interactive Legal. There's always a resistance to change, particularly with attorneys. Attorneys like to look back at what's worked in the past, and that makes a lot of sense. But when you realize that with a good automated drafting system, you can do a better job for your clients, deliver documents on a more timely fashion, in a more consistent and in a more costly manner. If you're not a subscriber to Interactive Legal, I urge you to go to interactivelegal.com and click on Request a Demo. And you'll be contacted about having a demonstration of interactive legal for you, which can be done right over the Internet. Don't have to leave your office. No salesperson will call. We can arrange it at a time inconvenient for you. So please go to interactivelegal.com and click on Request a Demo. Wealth planning focuses on liquidity management and charges you a fee based on a percentage of your assets. But entrepreneurs typically invest in their business resulting in light liquidity. That requires a unique strategy. At Carson Private Client, we provide a proactive and holistic strategy for building and protecting your wealth. Our mission is to alleviate the stresses and the burdens of coordinating all of those financial strategies. Carson Private Client will work with your current team of advisors to customize a strategy that manages all aspects of your life and wealth giving you back the time to focus on what matters most. Complex needs require sophisticated solutions. Reach out to our office at 402-779-8989 to schedule your consultation. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. On today's episode, my guest is Darren D. Dewan. Darren is a certified estate planner at TR Estate Planning, Peggy Rutherford in Omaha, Nebraska. We are going to talk about premium financing, a topic that is coming up a lot recently. Well, welcome, Darren. Mary, thank you for having me. And uh, I'm always happy, always excited to talk about this topic. I know, and you've written on this topic, and it's just really one of your favorites. So I'm excited to have you here to explain it to us. So we're going to talk about premium financing in the context of estate planning. Can you first give us what exactly is premium financing? Sure. Uh, in, its, in its simplest terms, premium finance is the process of allowing a lending institution to make premiums directly to an insurance company as opposed to a client using, say, their own personal or corporate assets to fund life insurance, to fund the life insurance they need. Uh, our client is typically going to pay annual interest to the lending institution and we'll secure the loan with a collateral assignment on the life insurance policy as well as outside collateral. 
uh, typically in the form of cash, sometimes not often, um, but usually securities or a letter of credit against another asset that they own. So can you just, in case anybody doesn't sure. know what a collateral assignment is, give me the it's bullet where the, point where the, explanation. Yes, it's where, um, it's where the bank's going to have ownership of that life insurance policy. So if they're upside, if they've loaned money, someone can't just walk in off the street and you know surrender the policy for whatever the value is. So there has to be until they're above water, so to speak, on the loan, uh, they're going to have a collateral assignment on that policy. And so the rates you're working with right now are pretty solid? Yeah. Um, most rates we're seeing now, uh, depending on the size of the case, are going to be 1% to 3%. Um, the primary advantage of implementing this process is it does allow uh, an individual or a business to keep assets working in their business or growing in their investment account. Uh, historically, there has been somewhat of a predictable relationship between a borrowing rate and the investment return uh, that takes place within a life insurance contract. But the real and frankly undersold value uh, to a client is that it allows them to leave their money in their business or their investment account while we're still able to obtain the amount of life insurance that they need. So can you tell us who should be considering premium financing? Sure. Um, I am, uh, I do use the acronym HNW, uh, HNW client a lot, which stands for high net worth. Uh, a high net worth client is someone that I would categorize as, uh, they have either an estate tax liability today, or they are projected to have one in the future. So I have a 29 year old guy who's come up with a great social media platform, mm -hmm. has a business, but it's only worth, you know, seven, eight million today, but this might be somebody that would fit in that category yes. as opposed yeah. to my 60 year old sure. client with... Sure. 50 million, sure. either one of those. I have, might. A pro, I have a pro athlete where we project out that you can see what earnings are going to be. And it's just a matter of selling that story to the bank or to the insurance company. Okay. So, um, yeah, it, it, as far as, you know, on the estate tax, but I would say within a business, this is not a hard and fast rule as far as a number, but I've seen generally about 5 million. If a business needs about a $5 million policy for a buy sell for a key person, that's typically, those are the types of people that should be looking at this process. Okay, but so typically who's somebody who does have or may have an estate tax issue? Absolutely. Okay, so when it comes to that young athlete, mm -hmm. is it hard to get them to really care about estate taxes? Uh, it's hard they're for them like, to, to worry about estate taxes. Absolutely, taxes. but they're, you know, within a life insurance policy, the policy can grow and they see the cash growing and they see eventually what it'll be worth. So... They see the big picture and they see other people in their profession that um, have come back and talked to them about the importance of taking care of their finances. So it's actually not as hard of a sell as I thought it would be. Okay. That's why I was just kind of curious. So can you explain the options that clients have in terms of choosing among banks or insurance companies? Yep. Um, depending on the size of the case, we're probably going to have five to eight insurance companies to choose from. To choose, uh, choose from five to eight lenders also to choose from. Uh, the reason we want to have a little competition is uh, it potentially can drive the interest rate down with the bank. Uh, more importantly, especially with some older clientele, they may have some health issues and getting maybe, I don't want to say an insurance underwriting favor, but something that, again, competition can usually bring out the best price. Uh, important to note, we will only work with the bank 
that has a division solely dedicated to premium finance and every single life insurance company we work with, we have a purchase agreement or a selling agreement with them. So it's not just a process that somebody can walk in off the street and participate in. Okay, so I just want to footnote sure. that for a second. Sure. So you're telling me, I always say people, you don't want to call me about a personal injury because I'm the wrong person. Correct. And if you have a... Call Cleet Blakeman, right? Right. And <laughs> yeah, there you go. Plug. Right. So if you have personal injury, let me send you to Cleet Blakeman. That, mm-hmm. He's a perfect example, but I'm the wrong person. So you're saying the same thing is true in the premium financing. You're taking clients to those who have real expertise in dealing with this product. Yes. Okay. I really like that. We are going to take a brief break from our episode for a word from one of our sponsors. Financial advice is useless without empathy. At Foster Group, we want to hear your story, your goals, your worries about the future. Only then can we help you feel confident about all aspects of your financial life. Come experience how it feels to be truly cared for at Foster Group. Connect with us at fostergrp.com. Foster Group's written disclosure brochure, as set forth in Part 2A of Form ADV, discusses advisory services and fees, is available at www.fostergrp.com. Okay, let's continue our episode. Okay, so who needs to be involved in the premium financing plan? Yeah, um, I am very fond. Uh, Marion, I'm not just saying this because you're a lawyer, but I'm very fond of saying that uh, it is impossible to get a case done without a client's lawyer, especially in the premium finance world. So there, as far as your role, there will be communication with me as the life insurance producer. Uh, you will have communication with the bank. You'll have communication with bank counsel, uh, a potential trustee if we do have an islet involved, something of that sort. Uh, There are a significant amount of documents related to this process. Uh, I do prefer a team approach, uh, but a client's lawyer is far and away going to have the biggest role in this process, maybe even more than me. The team approach is really helpful, though, and to include people before you get the product in place so that we don't have all the comments. I always say I like to have a full advisor meeting because otherwise they go and say, hey, accountant said that was dumb. I'm like, let's get everybody on board to the extent that's possible. Day one. So what kind of client costs and risks are involved? Yeah, they will have, uh, they will have client uh, or they will have attorney fees, uh, just what, some of what I just talked about. Um, I don't want to say depending on the size of the case, but if they're pledging collateral uh, real estate and they're going to use a letter of credit, usually that's a 1% fee. That will be uh, an expense. That'll be an annual expense to them if they choose that as collateral. Um as far as risk, the biggest risk potentially that I can see is if you have a um, you know an '80s farming crisis where essentially an inverse relationship takes place between a borrowing rate and the rate of return we're receiving on a life insurance policy. I do want to spend time explaining that risk because people need to understand that risk. But with the ability to lock a rate in and the relationships we have with banks, I would have to be completely asleep at the wheel to allow something like that to happen. But theoretically, it could take place, and people do need to be aware of that. So can you explain why a client would choose a premium financing option rather than paying premiums in a traditional manner? Sure. So at some point in the process, probably pretty soon, I'm going to ask someone, do they want to pay a $300,000 annual premium, or do they want to pay 2% of $300,000? It's really not any more complicated than that. If a client is paying this out-of-pocket, it, it has to come from somewhere. No one has just this amount of money laying around. It's coming from their business. It's coming from their investment account. 
which means that is money that is no longer working in their business or in their investment account. So again, um, the real value of premium finance is it allows for people to keep their money working for them as opposed to placing in a life insurance policy where the return probably isn't going to be as favorable. Uh, the biggest risk, to answer your question in another way, the biggest risk for me uh, in paying a traditional out-of-pocket premium is longevity risk. I have clients well into their 90s right now, and every year that they pay into these policies, their rate of return goes down. If they live long enough, they eventually could pay into the policy more than the policy is actually worth. Think about that. So in a premium finance scenario, we always have to have enough, enough death benefit to be able to pay off the bank so theoretically, the longer a client lives, the higher that rate of return should be because that escalates every year. So to me, comparing a traditional, even in the most grim financial circumstances, a traditional approach versus a premium finance approach is, is, is not a fair fight. Okay, so are you saying to me, because I get this a lot, sure. and I, I'm really proactive about telling clients, review your life insurance policies regularly because it's one too many times. I had somebody in their late seventies or early eighties, and they get a letter saying, "Up, oh, you need to dump. Yeah, you need to dump a whole yep. pile of money in here to yep. keep this in force." And you do the math, and they think they've been paying these premiums yep. all these years, yep. and it's paid up, and they don't have any idea that the death benefit factor increases as they go along, and that's been eating into their value. Yep. And but a lot of times, those policies are hard to save. They're very hard to save. The old universal life policies um, that was created in the early 80s when interest rates were in double digits, um, they are not designed and have not been designed to run on these rates right now. So, yes, and I hear, I've heard it all the time, too. I've got this. It's paid up. Those, those two words don't work. I mean, there's almost no such thing as paid up. So on these old universal life policies that people have been paying into, Yes, and I will tell people you need to do an enforced ledger because I promise you whatever you've been paying, it's probably not enough, and you're going to get a letter someday saying you need to put in X amount or it's going to lapse. And I actually like advise an enforced review on a regular basis, and what I want to do mm-hmm. is see current rates, worst-case scenario yep. <laughs> as well, because a lot of times they like to send us the best-case scenario. I'm like, I want to see the worst case and at least be looking at that, right? And particularly... Isn't it true that even to the extent we're talking about premium finance, but if somebody's in those policies, there's still options if you catch it early enough that this is policy is no longer viable. Correct. I mean, it depends on a whole lot of factors. Right? Sure. But I'm gonna we'll leave that yeah, for we another. Spend, we'll we leave it for another two day. hours talking about the yep. UL policy. Yeah, we'll plan on that for a different yep. podcast. Yep. So, what is the role of legal counsel in this type yep. of plan that we're talking yep. about today? Yep. So I touched a little bit on this earlier, but um, most most clients are not going to be familiar with premium finance if they've even heard of it. So they're going to lean very heavily on your advice, on your wisdom, on your counsel. So um, in some cases, uh, an accountant is involved, uh, sometimes an investment advisor. If we're using a letter of credit that we attach against someone's investment account, usually the investment advisors are worried that it's going to jeopardize all their trading strategies. That has nothing to do with it. They're free to trade as as they should have no idea even anything is, is taking place. So, but um, yes, your role is a significant one, not only with the documents I talked about before, but they're going to lean very, very heavily on the relationship they have with you. But the comment on the investment advisor is another good point mm-hmm. for including all of the advisors, because yes. otherwise you push put this in place, there's a letter of credit, they talk to them on the side, 
and investment advisors freaking out that they can't do the same thing. Correct. So including them in the process, making sure they understand it is Day really one. significant. Yep. What is the exit strategy if a client wants out? Yeah, uh, and it's probably a good time to mention there is a nothing short of a staggering, staggering amount of financial data that I need to collect to see not only does this person have the financial oomph, so to speak, to be participating in this, to qualify with the life insurance, but a bank needs to see that there is an income stream or there is something that we can have some liquidity to be able to pay interest payments for some in some cases a, a long time. So, uh, you know, I don't, um, most of the cases, and it's like anything, you know, I've, I've seen some of these cases where people probably should not have participated. They probably should not have gotten involved with this. The last thing we want is to put together a case without a clear plan, without a clear vision, without a clear long-term need. Uh, but life does change and things do happen. So uh, at each and every, every minute of every day, someone can get out of this. There is an exit strategy. What a client really needs to understand, though, there are costs associated with this the first couple of years. So if they want to bail six months into this, they're probably, and I, I will not probably, they're not going to get all their collateral back. It takes a few years for us to grow the cash and grow the investment account. So, um, but it's it's really not any more complicated than just saying I want out. And then hopefully we've had a couple of years to, to grow their assets. And so it's possible that if they can get through a period of time before they absolutely need out that the recovery can be a little better yeah but again i mean mean, certainly these scenarios are possible and you have to talk about all the scenarios that are possible but these are for families that they've had a family-owned business for a hundred years or they have they're large berkshire holders i mean there's almost an unheard of set of circumstances where they're not going to need this moving forward i it doesn't even occur to me that they could unwind this at some point, but you have to spend time talking about how do we get out of it. So are there any other key items that someone considering this approach should know? Yes. Uh, take your time to understand this process. Um, that is probably the biggest challenge. And people say, what are the biggest obstacles? It's just someone, anything that's confusing or complicated is synonymous with risky. And that's not necessarily the way that this has to be. Uh, to me, this is by far the most innovative way for a high net worth client to obtain the amount of life insurance that they need without having to part with assets that they already have growing somewhere else. Um, I don't talk to anyone who's not well aware and hasn't known for 15, 20 years that they need a, a large amount of life insurance. I'm not telling them anything that they don't know. They just don't want to part with these large premiums. I met a gentleman who owned 16,000 acres of irrigated ground in Iowa. Well, who has 16,000 acres of irrigated ground in Iowa? And he was well aware that he needed he needed some planning. But he just didn't want to pay that 400 and some thousand dollars a year. And frankly, I, I couldn't blame him. So we just had to come up with a different strategy. Well, Darren, I really appreciate your comments on this topic. Do you have any last thoughts? Um. Yes, uh, in, in most forms, and whether it's just a one-on-one interview like this or whether it's a large group of people, uh, you never want to come across, a salesperson does not want to come across as salesy. I don't know if that's a word, but you don't want to come across that way. Um, again, if people will just take the time to understand this process, we will come up with a way for them to obtain the amount of life insurance that they need. We will reduce their risk. We will allow them to continue to leave their assets where they are, where they're growing. Um, 
as time moves forward, if an economic condition presents itself that's maybe not favorable, it's generally offset with something that is favorable, and it's just a matter of doing those checks and balances every year. There's a significant amount of time that goes into this every single year as far as we need to tally up all the cash value. We need to tally up where the loan is. We need to tally up where we are in the investment accounts because I know this sounds crazy from a bank's perspective, but they're never going to be underwater when it comes to these loans. So we have to make sure and we have to balance this as time moves forward. So and I want to mention that part of the reason I asked you to do this podcast specifically is I get a lot of requests for people to come on on certain topics, and this has been a popular. But it was somebody or, or you had forwarded me an article that you wrote, mm-hmm. and I plan on posting a link with the transcript of this article because what I wanted to mention that I really valued about the article you wrote was that you gave very specific examples. So you go as, okay, client, you know, set of facts, number one. And so this is what that looked like. So people could kind of look at those examples and see, do I fit into this model a little bit before they even had the conversation? So I just wanted to mention that I thought that was, and we will include that link. Awesome. Thank you. Well, that's all for now. And I really appreciate you being here. I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal and Carson Wealth. Thanks for listening to today's episode and stay tuned for our weekly releases. Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast does not create an attorney client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have. A Huda Media Production.